I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, my iCubed partners and I recap the PBSA mid-year. What we saw, what we didn't see, who's on the move, and what's to come. Stick around. Okay, we got the green light. So uh, thank you everybody for joining us today. Uh, very excited uh, for this session to kind of recap the the highlights of the PBSA conference that uh, uh, was just completed a couple weeks ago. Um, overall, I think you'll hear from us. Uh, we, we were thrilled uh, with the conference. You know, of course, we also have uh, things that we would change that we'll be that we're going to share with you on the, uh, on the on the call as well. But overall, um, just really pleased with the turnout. Um, so uh, without further ado, uh, why don't we jump into um, our schedule? Uh, for those of you that are on right now, we are recording and we'll send a copy of that recording out afterwards. Uh, I also wanna let you know that everybody is on mute. Uh, however, the Q&A panel is yours uh, to, to use and we'll get do our best to get to as many questions as we can um, during the presentation. Uh, so I will uh, turn it over to Kevin Bachman. Yeah, guys, and uh, my my first beef, uh, Nick, if you can advance to the next slide for us. Um, our running joke the last couple webinars has been the big, huge picture of Nick. And I, I uh, when I made this, I called him Big Nick Fishman. And Nick, pounds. I don't know what Nick exercised his moderator veto. And uh, about five minutes ago, I saw he took it off. So. Um, not, not, not super, not super happy with the, with the big guy right now. Um, actually, Jason's going to give us a little, he's going to do the 30 second, what is IQ? How can we help? And then I'll take our, I'll take us through our agenda. I'll set the table for everything we're going to go over today. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah. So as you guys might know or not know, uh, IQ uh, was started by uh, myself, Nick and, and Kevin to put our uh, collective, uh, collective consulting efforts together. We launched it last year. Um, and we really focus on a couple different areas. Uh, one consulting, which used to be our primary and is now kind of uh, something that we do, but we've really been focusing a lot on recruiting. We've been uh, hired by just some of the best CRAs out there uh, to bring them top talent. We filled some of the bigger roles that you've seen um, when people change jobs on LinkedIn. Um, we, we've done a lot of those. Um, and we've got some great candidates now looking. Um, if you guys are interested, you can certainly drop us a note on that. Um, and we do quite a bit of M&A advisory. So anytime there's a deal going on in the industry, we're usually brought in on a consultative basis uh, to talk to either the buyer or the seller and work through the due diligence with them. Uh, additionally, we do some expert work, uh, training, we do some speaking, um, but really we're here to help background screening companies grow. And uh, that could be through one of those things that I mentioned uh, earlier. Yeah. And, and, I, and I know post-COVID, certainly one of the things I personally like the most is, you know, hopping on a plane. Um, sitting in a client's office for a day, working with their team. Um, let's see how we can be the best, the best version of ourselves. So now that uh, mask restrictions are, are off and travel is is up and going again. You know, I, I know I'm personally looking forward to doing that again. I, I, I enjoy that a lot. Um, hey, at, at the show, thanks for everybody who came to our opening night happy hour, uh, or at least 118 of you who we bought drinks for. Um, it's about one a minute. Really good. Uh, but again, thanks. Thanks for so many of you showing up. And I know certainly for Jason and I, it was our first conference in a couple of years. So really, really happy to just uh, see so many of you that that really we've we've missed seeing in person over the last couple of years. So um, appreciate that and looking forward to doing more of that in the future. Jason so. doesn't even get a credit for his half a show up at the last uh, PBS. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not giving me the credit <laughs> I deserve. I was. <laughs> Right. I was just in my room for uh, 10 days because I caught COVID and I uh, had to quarantine. So I, I still have my record of not missing a PBSA conference. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. So so for those of you that, that haven't heard, I'll do the quick 30 seconds on, on what happened. So Jason and I, and of course, who knows who knows where it came from, but our wives, about 10, 15 other people, went to a Grateful Dead show Tuesday before the conference. Uh, invariably, people start getting sick and testing positive toward the end of the week. My family, not me, but my family all tested positive Friday before the show. So at least I had 48 hours to cancel. I didn't test positive like you did in California. You can't really do anything about it once you're there. Um, so I don't know who got off easy on that one. Maybe maybe, maybe it was me. Um, okay, shout outs. So um, Nick, Jason, uh, hop in. Um, who are we recognizing on this call? 
You want me to go first? Uh, yeah. I, I give a shout out to Checker. Um, they, they did a nice acquisition a couple of weeks ago. Um, I don't truly understand the, um, the, the financial impact of it and um, uh, what they plan on doing with it. But as we all know, uh, the small business market has been a tough one to penetrate. And that's something that Good Hire has always been very good at and had a lot of traction with. And now it's part of the, um, part of the Checker family. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Uh, yeah, since our, uh, our topic of conversation is on PVSA uh, and the conference, I'm actually going to give my shout out to um, the management team at PVSA, um, who uh, did a great job of getting people to turn back out again, getting us all together. Um, it had been, you know, even the last conference was a little strange. I think anybody that is on this call would admit um, that we kind of didn't know whether to shake hands at the last one, just say hello, wave, each, wave at each other, whatever. Um, and uh, it was nice to get back to what seems like uh, a, a path to normalization. So um, I want to give the team at PBSA a shout out. They did a very nice job and uh, looking forward to the next one in September. Yeah, and, and mine will go to, to two organizations specifically. You, you know, if you, um, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with, you can, you can buy the attendee list for, from PBSA. It is an opt-in list, so you only get about 50% of, of who goes to the show. Um, and, and I tell you, I use it less for marketing and more for just appointment setting. Who do you want to see? You just set 15 minutes aside, you know, go, go see a friend or, or, or meet somebody new. And, and when I looked through that list, man, I saw two companies jump out. I, I saw Informed Data and I saw Aperis and Equifax. And I saw how many people they had sent. So, and, and I, I looked at it and gosh, each of those two shops and Nick, you'd know, you'd know better as, as the CMO, but you know, 20 people from each shop going to, to the show. And to me, what it, what that, what that showed me was just the courage of their convictions, the courage to say, Hey, this is going to be a great show. And we're going to send and spend all that money to send 20 people here. Cause we think it's worth it. Um, so whether it's right or wrong or whether it pays off or, or, or doesn't pay off, you, you know, like they, they put both those shops, put their money where their mouth is. And, and I think that that's kind of a good indicator for um, what many of us see as, as positive traction for our space. Um, so th those are the, the two shops I wanted to recognize for how they kind of approached um, the show and the team members that they had sent. Yeah. And I know I'm kind of crossing over lines, but I would say, you know, at least from our standpoint on the informed side, um, we just recognized again, we saw that the numbers were going to be back up. Uh, this is obviously our marketplace. Uh, this was the, the place where we chose to debut our new name. Um, and it was really important for us to kind of have a show of force there. Um, it's something that we're going to continue to do um, for the foreseeable future. All right, let's do a quick run through of, of our agenda, guys. All right, uh, state of the industry. Just what are we thinking? That's what we're going to tackle tackle on the next slide. A couple of the sessions that, that we attended and really took a lot out of. We'll talk about some people that, that are on the move or some shops, um, some of the, uh, the, the recent activity in our space. Um, a couple interesting um, observations that I had, you know, who goes to the shows? Who doesn't go to the shows? Where do they see value? Uh, where does the association, I think, do a real good job with their programming and their educational sessions? Um, we have a couple thoughts on, on what some of the material that was covered and, and what wasn't, where we might like to see more of in, in the future. Again, you only have so many sessions, so it's not a, not a knock on PBSA, of course, but uh, there's only so much that, that you can accomplish in those two to three days. And then a couple of final thoughts, which we'll, which we'll hit toward the end of the hour. All right, um, floors open, Nick and Jason. Um, what are what are a few of your thoughts as you as you look at the state of the industry and some of the things we've been talking about the last few months? Um, I think there's a lot of uncertainty from the mid from the mid market and this and the smaller market, just not knowing what's going on with number one, all of the um, uh, M and A that's happening out there, and who's going to get gobbled up and who's still going to be left standing. And number two, just the state of the economy. Um, we're going to hit a recession. Um, it's, it's inevitable at this point, I, I think. Uh, I think it's going to be heavily in the tech sector, and that's going to uh, affect hiring. So I think we had this nice COVID bump. Does it go back down to normal? Does it drop below normal? Where does it go? And I think those are some of the things that I was hearing from, from business owners. Um, 
And so are they saying that they're actually experiencing slowdowns or that, or that they're worried that they're going to experience slowdowns? I have talked to some, not at the conference, but in the last week or two uh, that have experienced <laughs> slowdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, this in this morning, negative GDP growth, one, 1.4%. Yeah. Minus. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I only bring it up because, you know, I also would want to factor in not, I'm not saying that the inflation, inflation and, and recession isn't a factor. It definitely is. Um, but uh, you know, that first quarter is traditionally a slower start for this industry. So that also might be having an impact on things as well. Yeah, it could be just looking at just, you know, just opening the Wall Street Journal and seeing what's going on with the general economy, though. Um, I think that you're going to start seeing you're, you're starting to see more um, automation in some industries. So like restaurants and stuff like that. So that's getting rid of some of that hiring. And then you're seeing uh, other automations in places where they just can't staff. Um, and that's just going to have a ripple effect. Um, don't know if that started now, later or when, um, but uh, I think we're going to see it. Something that, that I think, and, and, and the elephant in the room, by the way, um, that that's something that um, toward the end of the hour, we're, we're going we're gonna to really dive into. That, that's a cool one. We kind of want to save to the end. But yeah, yeah Jason, you, you make some really good points there because uh, while it seems like we are talking out of both sides of our mouth, we, we kind of are, right? Everybody's talking about how awesome things are. Everybody's expanding. Everybody's running more components through their system. They're acquiring new business. And, and I mean, at, at some point, trains got to slow down. Right. Um, my, my, know, point, my point actually runs counter to Jason's. I mean, I, I agree with you that we are starting to see signs of a slowdown, but the industry is on fire right now. Um, there, there's still hiring going on at a very good clip. We're still experiencing the upswing of um, what was referred to as uh, the great resignation. And now what I'm finding very interesting, and it was actually, uh, it had been reported in the USA Today a few weeks ago, the Wall Street Journal then just wrote on it uh, today. And that is what they're referring to as the great regret. And those are people that have, uh, that left for greener pastures during COVID, they resigned, and now they want to go back to the jobs that they were in before or to a different job altogether. So I think that that's still creating momentum. The other thing that I think is creating significant momentum is if you look at seniors that are re or retirees that are, are re-entering uh, the marketplace, whether it's through traditional jobs or the gig economy, um, I'm still seeing a, a ton of that flooding into the market. And so um, I'm not going to say that there is no impact of recession. There will be. Um, but I do think that in some ways uh, we're able to buffer that through all of these things. And also remember with the gig economy, not only are you applying for one job or, or applying to be a contractor on one platform at a time, you're applying for many of them. So um, I, I, I still see um, good things for the industry. I agree we're, we're in for a bit of a slowdown, but, uh, but so far so good. You know, I, I, one of the things that I, I think that it's, it's really important for business owners to know and, and practice, and, and we were really, really good at this, um, is you're, we're not public companies here. We don't have to live quarter to quarter and, 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 and release our quarterly earnings and live and die by our quarterly earnings. You know, we're, we're, you know, most of you guys are established businesses and you need to act accordingly and not be so concerned about what happened this quarter and next quarter, but be planning for the next yeah. six quarters. Yeah. Um, and, and, and build in uh, a slowdown. You, you need to do budgeting. Um, we, Kevin and I recently talked to a, a, a smaller business owner that they've never done any kind of budgeting. Um, and, and that's very scary because you really need to understand your, your trends, your financial trends, and, and be able to plan for the ups and downs in the future. Um, and, and those downs are going to come. It's just a matter of when. So I, this is an interesting question for you, and I hope we haven't gotten off on too far of a tangent. I I agree with exactly what you just said. My question is, though, um, you know, we owned a company for 15 years, 16 years. Do you have the ability to look at it from a 30,000 foot level when you are actually operating the business? Do you think that this is advice you could have taken at that time? We did. We did this. So I can't wait to hear Kevin's reaction. Yeah, that that. That was a point I was going to make, Nick, to some of your comments about, you know, the great resignation, the great regret. 
this is so intellectually interesting the world we're in right now. Now, nobody here should give a crap as to whether Kevin thinks this is intellectually interesting and he's having fun. But, but to your to your comment, Nick, right? This is our day job, right? When you're inside of a shop, you're running your shop and, and everything from a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. You're, you are absolutely right. So I'd say the answer is no. Um, you might want to, and you might think you can, but it is extremely difficult to think and consider all of these things at play um, while you're also trying to do a day job. So to Jason's comment about budgeting, I can't tell you the percentage of shops under 5 million that don't budget other than to say it is really freaking high. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but, but it's a judgment free zone, right? Like they're just doing other things. They are living day to day, week to week, month to month. So what, what I always say is very fortunate about the work we get to do now, and, and Nick, uh, right, of the three of us, you are the one that kind of still has a day job, is we can consider and we can evaluate, we can think, we can talk, we can listen, we can learn, and then we can share. Then we can teach, then we can advise all of our clients on how to do things um, the, the best way possible. So kind of a Longer answer to a simple question, Nick, but I would say, I would say, despite everybody's best intention, it is very difficult when you're an owner, an operator, a leader to take all these things into consideration and make the best decisions possible. So, you know, you know what else is difficult? Doing background checks, but you have to do it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is. I mean, budgeting is probably one of the most important things that you can do in forecasting because you make, you're making all of your decisions based on the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, we were, I, I argued that we were very good at that. Your less was, was, you know, we, 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 we put a lot of thought into every single bump and we always kind of came out right where we thought we would not month to month, but at the end, you know, we came in pretty close is because we were pretty, pretty conservative with it. I think it's really important to do. And for the business owners that aren't doing it, um, I highly recommend you start looking forward. Yeah. I'd probably do 200 hours a year on budgeting and forecasting and staffing and revenues and expenses. Yeah. yeah. That, and, and that you, you don't think twice about it. Cause I agree. It's, it's, it just can't be overlooked. Um, and last thing before we, uh, but before we move on um, again, to the things that we're having fun with, man, I, I geek out on the five publicly traded companies in our space, Meridian link, which owns Taz works um, Equifax, Sterling, higher right first advantage, their quarterly earnings, the presentations, the 10 K's, there's so much good information in there, not only on a competitor, but what they see as the future of the industry. Um, and the, you, there's you now might, another. I learn something every day. There's another uh, that normally used to channel through Innovative, but you know Red Violet, uh, which is a data broker. Yep. Um, you know they're a publicly traded company yep. too. So this is gonna be they're up on my screen. to clean from that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yep. Are we talking about the elephant in the room, or, or are we, we? No, I'm just saying there's an elephant we're going to talk about. Yeah, that's fine. It, it, you this got is, it here. You might as well use it's, it. It's Jason's. Uh, go, go ahead, Jason. Just tee it up. Again, I mean, all signs point to Equifax going direct in, in the market to consumer or to uh, to uh, end users. Um, and a little bit been, later, we're going to argue about it. Yeah, we've been we've been toying with the idea. We've been talking about the idea. All signs and all their moves have have shown that they're doing that, they continue to say that's not gonna happen. Yet we had people at the SHRM uh, talent conference that was happening at the same time as the PBSA conference. And they very, very clearly were um, selling direct. And they were telling our insider um, that they can now sell criminal records and everything else that they offer directly to, uh, to, to end users. So. I don't have much more validation than that other than it's probably one of the most trusted sources any of us have ever had in this industry. Um, but, and, and he, he's a very smart guy. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I think it's something to look out for in the future. Um, I, I do see it as uh, something that if it's not in their playbook, it, it should be, because why wouldn't you? Right. And we'll, we'll do a few more minutes on that toward, toward the end. Sure. Okay. Um, Jonathan Swan. Uh, Jonathan Swan's pretty Awesome. So good, you know, and it's there. There are things that he will talk about from you know, as a political reporter, legislative action um, that that touches our industry. I I would say the government relations, the state legislative, you know, PBSA panels are probably more applicable to our audience. Um, Jonathan's stuff is more 
here's what the landscape is. Um, so I don't think it's wholly applicable to our space, but man, is it just fun? Like, yeah, I agree. I, I just really enjoy it. And I think, I think PBSA does a great job um, securing him as our, as our kickoff speaker. He's incredible. Couldn't agree more. I think, you know, it is amazing that he can get up regardless of whether he was actually there or just on camera, like he was, and to be able to speak what seemed to be extemporaneously about all of the things going on. Um, and, uh, and, and, and his point of view is really tremendous. I think. Yep. I did too. What a couple of sessions that, that, that you guys really enjoyed, Nick, I know there's one that I don't have here. Um, that, that you were following pretty closely. Yeah, so the, uh, the, what I've been following the tenant screening industry for a little over a year now. Um, and <clears throat> I'm not going to say that it was because of my own intuition. Um, you know, there have been a number of different um, articles, legislation, litigation uh, going on with tenant screening right now. Um, and so I was excited to attend uh, Becky Keene's um, presentation on the state of that industry, um, what the CFPB has been up to in the FTC, um, and uh, how things really seem to be shifting right now for that industry. Um, I, I'm, <clears throat> I, I am certain that change is coming, um, and I'm certain that that change means um, uh, moving away from nat crim only type criminal searches into um, more of what we as employment background screeners uh, normally see. Uh, might not be there all the way, might take a little while, but I do believe that it's coming. Um, my, I had two sessions that I loved. Uh, one um, was of course Pam's Nevada session, uh, which I always go to and I always love, even though I don't really play in the compliance game anymore. Um, it's always interesting to see what what business owners and CRAs and, and the legislative uh, stuff looks like from, from her side. Um, and the other was uh, Sherry Homa did a presentation about just kind of like the pulse of the industry, you know, what's going on with M&A, what the multiples are looking like, what deals have happened in the last 20 years and how the, they've ebb and flowed and how they're at the highest point they've ever been now. Um, Sherry's just unbelievable. Uh, it, it, her insight is, 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 is pretty awesome uh, when, when she lays it out. Uh, and I know that we're talking about having around a future podcast or future uh, webinar uh, to talk more about some of the landscape stuff that she's seeing. Yeah. By the way, you're not the only one. I'm sorry. I missed it. But I heard a lot of people talking about uh, what a good job she did and how informative it was. So um, if the people from PBSA are listening, maybe that's another good one to repeat uh, uh, coming to a conference near you. Yeah, she used to do that. She used to do that presentation almost every year. Yeah. Um, and, and in the beginning, when she first started doing it, it was like everybody's afraid to go to it because they everybody would think that they're trying to sell their business if they were there. Uh, and now there was it was standing room only. Um, sure. Just look at all the activity going on in the industry. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I, yep. I, I, I have the right. It, it's funny, Jason, you mentioned it. It, it is not her first rodeo. Um, I have somewhere in a pile over here in the corner uh, her presentation from 2006. Yeah, I, I'm a pack rat. So I came across it the other day when I was cleaning some stuff up. Um, yeah, I, I, I echo those thoughts, guys. You know, I, I said in the past and I still feel for the most part, you know, it's M&A porn. It's 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 rubbernecking. It's interesting to watch and see and hear. But it's tough not to give it more attention, see it for what it is. Is it more than just two companies? getting in bed together. What does it mean? Are there things that really will affect you? Um, and I'm changing my mind a little bit. Um, I, I talked about this on a podcast um, on Background Check Radio a week or two ago. You know, we, we study the industry. There's 400 companies that we're keeping track of. And uh, yeah, I just did a count this morning. In the last six months, 150 million in our space in the mid middle of the market, gone right, has is, is, is been acquired, right, if we think of small, medium, large, and a triangle with a couple of providers at the top, huge long tail at the bottom, you know, the 80-20 rule of revenue, and these are all things and, and data points that we have and we provide in, in our analysis reports, you know, which, which um, organizations ask us for a lot. That middle, there's a lot that's been sucked out. Now, some from the bottom will rise to take their place, right? Yeah. consolidation, a client whose company was bought. And well, I don't want to go with them. I left them for you. Like there, there's going to be shakeouts, but 
I, I, I think it's probably time we start spending a little more. It's, it, it's not quite the M&A porn that, that it, it used to be. No, I, I agree with you on that point. I was actually planning on talking about um, this kind of power vacuum right now there is for the mid-market. Yeah, well said. I, and and I, you're already starting to see it. You're seeing some of these roll-ups um, that, that are now going to fill the void there. Um, there are smaller CRAs, like you said, that are going to be prepared to step up and fill that gap. I don't think that gap remains a dearth for a very long time because there's always going to be fallout from the from the enterprise level customers. Um, and so I think it's a really interesting time for somebody that um, is ready to start making investments in this yeah. space and yeah. get themselves there rather quickly. Yeah, that's that that's a great concept. It's like, you know, if 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 you think of an if we put pen to paper, we could probably identify the five, the you know, the, the similar five or ten organizations, kind of at the mid level and below, or at least the attributes. And you know, if we're sitting in their offices today, you know, it's like, hey, who's 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 ready? Um, who wants to make that move? Who is ambitious mm-hmm. and is willing to go for it? That that's going to be cool to watch over the next year or two. Um, I, I think I don't know if we're supposed to talk about this later or now, but I I, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, by the sessions that were offered. Um, you know, it used to be, and I, and I know the prism I look at things through today are, is different than I did 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I, was go, I, w- I would have gone to the MBR session and all these sessions that I could just learn a little bit more about day-to-day operations and things that we're doing. But I think if you look at the people that attend the conference, it's usually, you know, C-level owners, a lot of that, you know, happens, or a lot of those are the attendees. I don't think we're speaking to them that well. Um, I think that there's some more advanced things that PBSA could be offering for the business owners and the people that run the businesses and, and not always be so much about compliance or things that just aren't, aren't as important to our day-to-day uh, and, and overall strategic thinking of a business. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't disagree with that. It is a legislative con. Uh, this was a legislative conference, so you know you're going to get all yep. of the topics. You know, to me though, it, what has been you know a, a concern of mine for years now is I feel it's the same people talking about the same topics, and I really would like to see you know what else um, the industry can do specifically to help people run their businesses. Because I think that there's definitely a, um, a need and a desire for those types of sessions. So Nick, do me, do me a favor, jump ahead a couple of slides because sure. yeah, we, we, we did have this and I have some thoughts. I'm probably going to land in. Where do you want me to go? go? Go one more. Okay. Go on. Now we're playing with live, live ammo here. Okay. So the first bullet point, I think, is, is, is to Jason's point. Um, I, I agree with Nick. It is the regulatory. It's a legislative compliance regulatory, right? Um, to Nick's point, and, and I peer review, and, and you, know, you guys have in the past as well, I, I have tremendous empathy for PBSA staff, the educational session sure. that committee that, 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 that puts us together. Um, 50 to 60 submissions for 12 slots, right? Um, I, I agree, Nick, on the concept of same people, same topics, because um, if you look at those 50, 60 sessions, you can you can say, OK, there's five that are first cousins of each other. There's eight that are first, co- you know, it, it, uh, across a couple different topics. Um, sure. And look- obviously, are they related to the ones that were discussed at the last legislative conference or the last? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what I will also say, though, is. I think, and, and I'll use matching mania as an example of a session. Um, I think some of these sessions, even if they're similar to others in the past, remain extremely important for those who do attend the shows. Um, I understand, Jason, where you're coming from on those who don't attend the shows, right? Um, and then think, okay, as, as an association, the agnosticism of you know, treating everybody kind of, kind of the same. Um, but, you know, matching mania, I, I think, I think was a great one. You know, there are shops and there are people who go to these shows whom we've never met and they don't know us. Um, they're not the people that we see and hug every time. And the content that they put out is very uh, in, informative for them. And you can just tell by some of the questions from the audience and judgment-free zone, but there's some very basic questions coming from users. Um, almost, almost scary questions, 
and I look and see some of these that it's like they, they almost have to be sessions because to serve the greater membership, the numbers of users, these are things that they just need. So yeah, roundabout could, way of saying, I agree with all of you guys. And I think there's just so much you can cram into a couple days show. Well, they could start another track, even do a more an advanced track on one of the days and have four sessions just for advanced tracks and see how well received it is. Um, you know, that might go a long way with some of the owners. Yeah. One, one, one thing I, I, I kind of noticed, right. And, and as I think of the risk, right. So um, mid-year, we talk about the risk, right. Well, to your guys' comments about the business owners, well, what, what's the dollar sign behind it? Like, okay, I get that I could get a knock on the door. I could get a suit filed against me, but you know, what's the probability? You can turn everything into a math equation, right? What's the probability this is going to happen? And what's the risk? And what's the average settlement size? So, so those business owners in the room can say, okay, I know I need to do this process. I need my team to do it. But I came back from the show and there's seven things I got to do. Which are am I going to tackle in in which order? If I kind of have some numbers behind it, that, that helps inform me and, and kind of chart my course. So that's a takeaway that, that, that I noticed in a couple of the sessions, but. Yeah, I, I, I would quibble with the uh, fewer plat, well, maybe not quibble with fewer platforms and providers. A couple of things. Number one, there's consolidation going on uh, right now among the providers. Um, <clears throat> number, number two, um, I also think because of the impact of, COVID over the last several conferences, sponsors were less uh, <clears throat> likely to engage in a big way for this, for this particular conference. But as this conference showed us, people are showing up uh, and I would expect a full slate of people back again. Yeah, for sure. Yep. yep, for, for sure. Um, Nick, let's, let's roll back to slide nine, if you can see the numbers, the, the uh, on the move slide. And we'll just quickly go through, um, uh, who who did you guys let's do new in, new entrance who, who are some newer players that you guys are are, are, are seeing you wanted to recognize i'm putting you I on the spot because we haven't talked about it I, I i am seeing fantastic stuff out of certain out of canada um they are really uh stepping it up they're even raising more money now they I think they already raised 30 something million dollars um and they are going to be entering the u.s market um it's part of their strategy i think that they're going to be very successful at it you got really smart people over there. Uh, a lot of former Twitter people, um, some high-end Silicon Valley people, and they're kind of rethinking it. They're rethinking all of it. Um, you know, like I said in the last session, even, even the best, most advanced background screening platform software, whether you built it yourself or it's a platform itself, was built 20 years ago. Um, these guys are rethinking ways to do it. And uh, I think that as business owners, uh, that aren't investing in the future of their business, they should worry about that. Yeah, what about you, Nick? Uh, I met Charlie Cavaza from uh, Clear Checks. Yeah. Um, and I was really, really impressed with what they're doing. Um, I think they're, they're, they're building out great technology. They're using a lot of um, <clears throat> uh, like Silicon Valley approach to background screening. Um, and I think you're going to see some good things out of them, uh, in the very near future. Yeah, they're, they're, um, and I put something in the agenda, you, you know, it's, it's, it's market consolidation yet new entrance, right. And, and, and it seems, um, you know, contradictory of sorts, uh, but, but it's true. Um, you know, organize you know, Vetsu, which, which I, uh, from, from my understanding, you know, kind of a platform, but also a, um, um, fulfillment capabilities. I, I think of, I think of the ClearStar model um, from from years ago, where where, where you're doing a, a bit of both. Um, Truve, um, verifiable, just new new organizations in the space. Qualification Check, um, which is a, a client of mine. Um, just organizations that, um, if not new, uh, have done other things in in spaces you know tangential to us, kind of connected to us. And now see our space as 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 a nice opportunity. It's it, it's what larger players are doing. You know, Meridian Link sees an opportunity with Taz. Equifax sees an opportunity with Apris. So I think you're seeing it. I, I I think you're seeing other entities kind of creep into our space, both big ones and small ones, because they see what can be. Yeah, you mentioned Truve, and of course we'll throw the disclaimer that Jason and I have both invested in Truve. 
um, but have nothing to do with day-to-day operations whatsoever. But you see the splash that they're starting to make, both in the impact of their product, the hires that they're making in the industry. Um, And uh, I'm really impressed with what Kirill and company are doing over there. Me too, for sure. All right, Nick, let's, uh, let's keep this train moving. So this is a concept I've, I've thought of for, for a couple of years. Um, and I, 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 I haven't really spoken, you know, webinar or podcast about it, but, but kind of felt as kind of a thought I just want to share with the broader audience. Um, I mentioned before with, with, with Matching Mania and, and the value that PBSA provides through its educational sessions to, to smaller, uh, maybe less sophisticated shops. Judgment-free, just smaller shops, um, don't have a ton of people to talk to inside of their business, doing the best they can day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month. Um, th- those people, I think, still have and will continue to show out in force um, at PBSA shows. But when we think of the market, we think of the publicly traded companies and large companies at the top, small companies at the bottom, and we look at the screening dollars. Other than PBSA lifers, who work with bigger, larger publicly traded companies. We're not seeing the head of product from large companies here. We're not seeing the VP of operations. We're not seeing you know, the chief revenue officers for $300 million CRAs coming to the PBSA show. Um, they're just making business decisions, I think, independent of, of the conference. Not good, not bad. I think just, just a recognition that for, for some people in some roles, the this this show isn't as important to them as it might be for their title counterpart at another at a a, a smaller or mid-sized show yeah I, I just think that they look at it and they say why do i need to be there um i've grown my business i'm, I'm at 500 million in revenue and i've got great strong bottom lines and what am i going to get out of it um what am i going to learn from it might as well send my counsel get updated on compliant stuff and i'll keep going my way yeah, I, I'd echo what I said before and what Jason just said, which is that, remember, this was a legislative conference, usually not as well attended. Um, should be interesting to see uh, what happens at the annual conference. But Kevin, you're right. Like you're not, I don't think you're going to see chief marketing officers and chief revenue officers and maybe even chief product officers at these things. Um, you know, only the largest companies have these, you know, the chief product officers and you know, they, they come up with their own ideas. They don't necessarily look to the industry for these ideas. Um, and as far as revenue and marketing is concerned, um, there's not really a whole lot of content that addresses what they, what their role and function is um, at their organization. So I, I can't imagine there will be a lot of participation from those groups. Other than it being an interesting observation, does it mean anything, guys? Is it a harbinger of, of something to come? Is it a canary in the coal mine? What, what, where are you, are you thinking where like enterprise level or large customers are like no longer participating? Is that Yeah. You yeah, yeah. You know, do, do we become, and I, I don't want to get too esoteric, you know, you know, here with the logic, but two different industries, you know, there's, there's the background check industry that is the, you know, PBSA conference and guidance and webinars and, and Thursday letters. And then there's the industry of just organizations that, that you know, are, are professional businesses. And like, and this is the product that they sell. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think um, you nailed it with that last comment. And, you know, one of the things that I pulled out of what Nick said is, you know, the product officers. And when, when we used to go uh, to PBSA, when we were business owners, some, it was really nice to see the new products that were kind of emerging in the industry. Well, if you're one of the top five companies, those new products are calling, you're, you're their first phone call. So <laughs> you're getting introduced to the you know, to new products anyways, because you're the biggest company, one of the biggest companies in the industry. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we were kicking around yesterday through email, the three of us is uh, about some of the legislative stuff that PBSA is doing that, you know, are we carrying the load uh, is smaller CRAs, and, and spending all this money on lawyers through PBSA when the large companies should be contributing to that. And I'm not sure how they're splitting it up today, but I do know that in the past, 
when we did have an amicus brief to write or something to submit to the Supreme Court or whatever it was, the larger companies, they, they gave us money, um, you know, pretty much every time we asked. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, what, what's happening with that today. Yeah, and we don't have any insight to that. Yeah. Look, I, the only the only thing I'll say, and I know I, 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 I'm coming off sounding like the PBSA apologist or, or defender here, uh, attending a conference doesn't mean uh, that you or, or not attending a conference doesn't mean that you're for or against the, the association. Um, it just means that that's one aspect that you're not participating in um, there. I, I don't see I don't see companies pulling out of PBSA. I think yeah. it continue to remain um, important. Um, and it's just a question of how are you engaging um, people? I think, you know, to Jason's point, you start putting together uh, topics that would be of interest to those, uh, you know, to companies of that size, they'll be back. So um, I, 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 I think the industry is solid. Yeah, 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 and and uh, I'll 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 see your pro PBSA and I'll I'll raise you, Nick, because while the three of us as as business owners and advisors would say, boy, I'd love to see a couple more um, of of those at, at the conference. Um, they're 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 you know probably if we did a poll, a groundswell of support for matching, know your customer tenant screening, regulatory, because that is their, that is their bread and butter. So um, I said before, I have tremendous empathy for the association putting together 12 sessions because there's 48 phone calls that they got to make to those that weren't selected, um, which, which in and of itself are interesting, but you just only have so much real estate figuratively and, and, and literally to, to put these, um, the, these sessions on. So I think the balance continues to be good. And, you know, Jason, you mentioned something a, a minute ago, right? When we were, we were operators and owners um, and for everybody listening here, you know, how, how good are we um, as practitioners because of our personal involvement with PBSA for, for 20 years? You know, I think, I think the best way to, to grow both professionally and financially is to be a contributor and, and that's not dollars, that's that's time, that's money, that's energy, that's committee work. You know, it's not just going to the conferences twice a year, although I recommend everybody go to the conferences twice a year. It's it's really being involved um, on, on uh, a granular level to not only support the industry, but to, to become a better version of yourself. So, you know, there's a number of ways I think the association obviously drives forward our, our yeah. industry. Yep. Um, okay, Nick, we're... Uh, um, Yep. Okay. All right. Sorry. I didn't realize this was later in the presentation. No, all good. All good. So Jason gave his thoughts. Nick, what do, what do you think? Uh, I'm actually going to excuse myself from this part of the conversation. I'm biased, obviously. Okay. Um, uh, so I, I think, I think I'm going to let you guys debate that. So I, I am more and more coming around to Jason's sentiment. Jason's been very bullish on this idea. Um, or bearish, I, I, depending on how, which way you look at it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, I am not bearish on it, but here's the By the way, we got you. a whole zoo here now. We got bulls, yeah. we got bears, and we got <laughs> elephants. Yep. So, uh, aside from from the financial opportunity, Jason, let's let let's say they do right. Do you think three years down the road they'll regret it? Like, no. do you think they'll want to be a CRA? Uh, here, here. I hear that argument. I just had this conversation with somebody in New York um, about all the, the difficult regulative stuff, regulatory stuff that CRAs have to do when they become a CRA and have to follow the FCA and do all these other things. It's not that hard. It's not. And, you know, if you put good processes into place, you can build that business on top of anything. It's not that hard. Um, I think we overcomplicate it. And it was hard for a lot of us in the beginning because it was new. Um, but the FCRA and the state laws and regulations are nothing more than a business following instructions in a certain way and executing on it. They're a big company. They're a multi-billion dollar company. They'll figure that part of it out. Your, your um, you know, it's not that hard comment really, really made me think of something. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did an international products 
webinar and I moderated it and it was Andy Hellman, um, Kirsten Bogus, and, and Ed Hall of, of Qualification Check. And, and the three of them are international thought leaders. And we, we spent a couple minutes kind of talking about the irony of, you know, the fear that exists in our place, GDPR, data privacy, information security, when things cross borders, et cetera. And, and, and Andy in particular pointed out, and he's like, the FCRA is so much more, you know, punitive and, and restrict, but because we're here, we just kind of think, oh, well, this is just what we have to deal with, right? But the there, the international cross-border GDPR, man, that's too scary. I don't, I don't want any part of it. Um, and and, and I, I hadn't thought of that argument around becoming a CRA until you just said that, Jason. So, um, yeah, I mean, we did it. And we had five people when we knew, we knew we had to do it. We did it, you know? Yeah. That's just not that hard. Yeah. Hey, uh, you, guys, a question uh, just came through yeah. on this. Um, do you believe it is in Equifax's best interest to offer direct? Uh, is the potential earning more uh, than losing their business with CRAs? Yeah, I mean, their TAM, their TAM is much that's, larger. That's just where I was going. Go ahead. Yeah, Jay. their TAM is much larger going retail. And then, you know, understand this too. It, it could happen. It could happen to Equifax even if they don't want it to happen, here's what I mean. You're going to start seeing TransUnion and Experian making defensive acquisitions to kind of get into some of this game too. Uh, TransUnion was in it. They got out of it. They want to get back into it. I'm not sure what we're uh, Experian's or with uh, Equifax Experian is going to go with it, but one of them or both of them are going to also get into this data game. And one of them or both of them or all of them are going to say, just like we're thinking with Equifax, I could go retail and that could push the other three to do it too. So Equifax might say, I'm not doing it today. And they might be right, but they may be forced to do it tomorrow. Um, and they will be set up and ready to do it. Yeah. It's a, it, it's a real interesting concept. And, and again, you know, the, um, the, the more you read, the more you learn. And, and before we started, we always like to do a couple minutes for the early attendees. We talk about books. Um, that, that we're reading. And I mentioned I'm reading one on Anheuser-Busch right now and kind of the beer wars throughout the generations. And the concept of defensive acquisitions, Jason, I, I think is, is really on point. Um, think of it like an oil change or maintenance for your car, right? You don't want to have to go do it, but you just kind of got to do it because otherwise the engine's going to seize up on you. Um, it, these companies have to stay relevant in their industry. You can't go from number one to number two or number two to number three. I mean, you do, it happens, but it's really bad as a public company to a public company when that happens. And I think that if you look at even a company, a mature company like Apple um, or uh, uh, name the company, but let's, let's use Apple as an example. Yeah. They like, they have no, they have no intention of ever being into fitness, but they have to look at the Peloton deal because they have to stay relevant, yep. Yep. right? So all these companies that are mature businesses and have their products and know what they're really good at have to keep moving forward. And they usually have to do it through M&A, but they have to keep moving forward or they become irrelevant. I mean, look what's happened to Google in the last couple of years, the last 18 months. They're a lot less relevant today than they were 18 months ago. They're still incredibly relevant, but they have not come out with something new in the last 18 months. And a lot of other tech companies have. So it's the same thing. It, these things, history repeats itself. What, no matter what industry that you're in, it's going to happen. There's, there's a, a former client of ours um, who is now a friend to all three of us personally. And Jason, I, he might have had the conversation with you. He definitely with me when, when, we, when I launched my, my practice. And he said, your business is what your clients tell you it is. Like, you, you have ideas for what you want to do, but you're going to get asked to do things. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll use, the, I'll use the Peloton example and, and, and then, you know, COVID testing, right? How many shops in the last 12, 18 months rolled out uh, COVID testing or tracking or administrative solutions? It just fits perfectly with onboarding and, you know, like in, in HR and talent acquisition. Now, the 2023 solution is going to be a lot different than the 2021 solution because of need, but... You know, there are a number of shops and, and many of them here as I roll through the attendance list on this webinar of people who pivoted and offered that because their clients were asking for it. Peloton's a great example. We've talked about it on podcasts 
and webinars before. Uh, Scott Galloway, who's probably my favorite author at the moment, um, has a lot of interesting thoughts on that. But that's the idea that you are taking highly educated people with disposable income who are exercising and they're staring at your screen for 45 minutes. And if you're a company like Apple, there's absolute value in having them inside of your ecosystem doing that exact same thing. So, you know, Jason, you, you, you're the one sounding the alarm probably the strongest over the last year on these things have to happen as publicly traded companies to continue to generate returns for investors. And while we are, most of us here are not publicly traded companies, you know, you're, you're not publicly traded for, for the wrong, like, like there's, there's things to learn by watching others. I think there really is. Mm -hmm. Hey, Kevin, I just want to congratulate you. I think yes. you used the term um, shops 62 times so far during the talk. <laughs> I think you track. Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's great. Okay. All right, moving on. Some, some lingering thoughts before we wrap up. Um, Nick, we're not talking about your rebrand, but... Um, but I can't talk. No, no. But I'm, I'm thinking of um, like Tessera Data, for example, yeah. right? Yeah. Owned by Checker, three different shops, consolidating, coming out new logos. Does it matter? Good, bad, window dressing? Yeah, Some no. Like I, as I, we, brands, as we go by? I think brands do matter. Um, I, they absolutely do. I think that um, we're beginning to see in this industry, you know, before you were naming your company ABC Background Screening, or in our case, Background Information Services, until it wasn't. Um, but I do think that brand building is very important inside of this uh, inside of this industry, and brand sentiment is really important inside, inside of this industry. So look at what Citadel ID did with Truve. Um, it, that, that was an opportunity for them to reinvent themselves um, a, a bit. Look at what, I, what um, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank. Um, well, Sterling changes their name every other year. <laughs> right, to, from <laughs> Sterling to Sterling Data, to Sterling Info. Right. Yeah, um, no, but I really, and by the way, not to be a wise ass about Sterling, what they've done with their branding over the last five years, I think is really incredible. Um, I, brands do matter. Um, and again, I was just saying with, um, with Themis moving over to, to, to Sarah, this is all an opportunity to create and chart a new plan um, for, for, for your organization. And CRAs um, should also take note of that as well. I agree. Um, and, 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 you know, and that's tied to kind of the verticality comment. Um, and I'm interested in, in, in your guys's take. Um, you know, we, we talk about different fulfillment models, right? Do you do everything under your roof um, and become good at everything because you want to do everything? Do you do just a couple things and find partners outside and, and kind of the, the pros and cons of that? And then as a, as a provider, and we'll, we'll, we'll go back to the, to Sarah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm checker. This is my data source. This is my national. Like maybe I need other providers for certain things, but I'm just going to go buy that company and, and, and do it myself. Um, wholesale and, and, and pro forma screening. So, you know, Nick, this might be, this might be one that, you know, you don't want to talk too much about, but, but Jason, like, are we going to see more of this? And, and by the way, we don't, you know, the three of us aren't always talking about this with Nick you know, outside of this, you know, I don't know what he thinks. I don't know what he's doing. Um, but Jason, you know, is, I think is, the, is there more value in the future? I don't think people care as much as they used to. Um, I mean, I, I think that you, you have people that, that know of the relationship between Checker and, and uh, Tessera. Um, and there's going to be some people in those organizations that don't care, that don't care that it's owned by that. They're going to get a, a good product at a good price. And, yeah. And they're just not going to care. But I think a lot of us I do. Think people don't care until it's a threat. When it becomes right. a threat, then they care. Right. So that's good because right. this is, this is, there's kind of dual questions here, right? As a buyer, do I care? Right. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Jason. If, if you care that your provider, you know, in Idaho is also owned by a CRA and, Washington and you live in Georgia and you think that's a problem, you got the best run business in the world because I can think of a hundred things that you need to fix before you worry about that. Okay. So that's, that's as a, as a, as a shop number 63, Nick. Um, 
But as as an operator, Jason, do you see value in controlling all of those things along along the way? I I don't know. Um, I do know that it's it's something that we probably never would have done. We probably never would have lined the pockets of our competitors in that way. Um, But I think the only thing that you need to be concerned about when you're doing that is your client list, which they're not going to see, right? If you're just sending data, getting data back and forth. Um, I think in other industries, it's, it's more common than it is here. It just really comes in, you know, the, 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 it just begs the question, who's going to care long-term? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, and more specific way to frame that question is, and I'll just use the example we've been talking about is Checker a better shop because they own a few of the data providers that we've been yeah, talking about. Probably. Um, Certainly can't hurt them. And, and, and I think in many ways it helps them. They, they, they have these data sources. And, and, and I have no insight right into whether it helps or hurts. Uh, here's what I would say, moving from the specific to the general Um I would say if you use the data sources you own just because you own them, that's where the problem is, right? And and like, just because you own the, well, if there's another one that's better for your clients, then, then I think that's the play, but that, that, that's kind of where I, where I think there's a distinction. A couple things before we, we talk about what's next checker and good hire. Um, Well, let me, let me stop there. Checker and good hire. Any, any thoughts beyond what you, what we shared already? No, I think we covered that in the beginning, Nick. No, I I, I think it's a great acquisition. Um, okay. I, I, I respect what both companies have done to really disrupt the industry. Um, and, and you know, I just remember when Good Hire started, they they started by reaching out to a bunch of CRAs saying, hey, uh, you don't probably don't want your small business leads, just send them to us. Yeah. Um, and, and they evolved that into... Um, what I think is one of the best, uh, uh, very small business platforms in the industry uh, and converting that and uh, getting in uh, deals with Airbnb and whatever. So I mean, proud of them. They did a yep. very nice job. And, and, and strong SEO game. I, I mentioned this on the, on, on the podcast uh, last week, you know, Google background checks, Google screening, Google, you know, all the keywords, yep. you don't have to go too far before you trip over good hire. So think of all the small businesses out there in the world that are doing exactly the same thing. Uh, my basic is your advanced. That's, that's the comment around programming from PBSA. Um, and I think that need to revisit things from time to time because of the audience. There might be something that I'm, you know, that we might be really smart at that other people aren't and, and vice versa. Something other people are really smart at that we're not. So those sessions kind of, they're, they're good for all of us. Um, all right, what's coming up next, guys? All right, so I will be in California next week. If you are a Taz Meridian Link user, uh, ping me. Would love to love to meet up and chat while I'm out there. I'll be out there um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Um, in the spring, we're going to be doing some closed session, um, non-competitive. We're all friends here roundtable, specifically for uh, C-suite leaders and and owners. How to run the best business. You can. Where are there opportunities both to increase revenue and cut costs? We do some really granular stuff, but we're going to do some stuff that um, we've not only done in the past as operators, but things that we're doing for our clients right now to help them recognize and realize um, additional profit, additional revenue. Just the 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 things that those that that you guys care about when when you look at your uh, your balance sheets and your bank accounts. So stay tuned for some um, some emails from us around that. And, and then the three of us have been um, for probably 18 to 24 months now doing a real deep dive on a couple hundred companies in our space. Um, there's a lot of data, a lot of insights, analysis that we have that, that we can slice and dice um, for private equity groups, for investors, for shops that want to know more about their competition. So we, we are actively in conversations with um interested parties on that when they're looking for that for that insight. We're going to start doing more um, communication, communicating just to the broader market, to you guys on what that is and what we can provide. So stay tuned for that. Uh, final thoughts, you guys? 
no, we got to plan our next webinar, which hopefully will be in May. Uh, we talked about maybe bringing Sherry into one of them, um, but we'll come up with a nice topic for everybody to sit in on again. All right. Thanks, everyone. Wait, next man of many words, as always. What'd you, what'd you say? Because this Rod Blagojevich, whoever this is, is so annoying. I can't wait it's, to find out who this is. They, I think it's Zach. It, oh, yeah? Okay. It, it might be your dad. It might be your dad, Les. <laughs> he could or, be. Uh, no, he would, he be would misspell it. He wouldn't be able to spell it properly. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you giving us an hour of your lives. We'll chat again soon. And this Thanks, will be everybody. up on the uh, Background Check Radio podcast probably in a couple days. See you guys.